Hello and welcome back to the Latecomers. I'm Amity. And I'm the damned dirty ape. Oh no, you're a damned dirty ape. You better keep your paws off me. This week we're going to talk about Planet of the Apes from 1968, the original one, with Charlton Heston. And all of his teeth. All of his, so many teeth. Y'all, this was not a great experience for me. I had a good time. We'll we'll get into it. Uh, Before we get started, uh, happy December. How was your week? Uh, My week was actually, um, it was Thanksgiving, and it was fun, and we went out and played a geo game, which I'd never done before. We did go out and play a geo game. We did an Alice in Wonderland experience that was mostly in our phones, but it was pretty fun. Yes, it was fun, and we got a lot of exercise roaming around and looking at all the sights and we did. I was tired for two days. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go out. <laughs> so, I was, uh, but yes, uh, I recommend it. Clued up apps. Not for kids, probably. No, I think there's far I too I think much... it would be too boring for kids. Well, also, there's a lot of, so the, you were the team leader. I was. And then me and our roommate, Stephanie, were the, your also of, am. No. <laughs> yes, we were part of a team Dormouse and of Men. Dormice and, and Men. Dormice and Men. There we are. We are punny and adorable. <laughs> and um, periodically you would get sent a task as a team leader. Yeah. And we could help you along with it. Yes. But some of the tasks were completely beyond my abilities. Like, Yeah, there was one where it was um, that thing where you're supposed to pick the color. Right. Like, it'll say the color. Like, you'll read the word purple, but it'll be in black, and you'll have to choose black because it's the color, not the word. Well, you're colorblind, so right. that's so that not of any... On the other hand, I was amazed by how much or how much success I had with uh, the... Slide puzzles. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I... our roommate... Is terrible, <laughs> right? Which is amazing because you're both very clever people, and how she got herself into me with my spatial awareness issues seemed to get nope. that done, and the synesthesia and all the other stuff. I was able to just zip through those. I don't know yep. how, but yeah, I had a lot of fun. I felt better about myself, and we got all the riddles right. Yes, we did, and we saved Alice for what it's worth. Who's not a real person? Next, you'll be telling me Santa's not real. I will say no such thing. Or Certainly not in December. Or what? Or Godzilla. Godzilla's absolutely real. I see his head right there. Mm -hmm. And his likeness over there. Mm -hmm. And his likeness over there. And his likeness over there. We're surrounded. Yes. You're in my room. (laughs) Yes. All right. You want to get started with this movie, which is definitely a classic? Yeah. So, I didn't yeah. like it, guys. I didn't so, like it. Before we head into it, what was your your issue with it? A, a not insignificant part of the issue is that I do not enjoy Charlton Heston's acting mm-hmm. or his personhood as a later adult. I understand that his the version of him in 1968 and the version of him in the 90s are different people, but you'll Pry this gun from my cold, dead hands really doesn't leave mm. a delicious taste in my mouth, and it doesn't ingratiate me to liking him on screen. That combined with the fact that his character is a fucking asshole <laughs> um, was rough, and he's acting with his teeth. His teeth should have an and or a with. 
credit in the credits. Um, the other thing is, I mean, obviously it's 2022. Science fiction has come an extremely long way. This movie was made before we landed on the moon, which I have to like keep reminding myself yeah. because just the sci-fi of it all is, of course the movie's been spoiled for me. Like Soylent Green, this is one of right. those things where they're on Earth the whole time. Um, yes, really? But, yes, and that's supposed to be a surprise, mm. even though when the movie starts, he tells you that they're going back to Earth. And then when they land in a you know, liquid and it's water, It they still don't know that they're on Earth. And then also there are horses. And then also, why do the apes speak English? That was your giveaway. That was my giveaway, yeah. And I didn't even think about that. But English, and we know we're a far ways into the future, presumably mm-hmm. like 2,000 years into the future, which evolutionarily doesn't work. But language, I mean, English wasn't English 2,000 years ago. There was no such thing as English 2,000 years ago. So language evolves much faster than what we'd be given to believe, but it certainly only exists here. Mm -hmm. You're not going to go to another planet and then have people speak, or the, the life forms there speaking English to you. That's just not a thing that's going to happen, right? So, be, because even if you believe in that seeding theory that aliens seeded planets, and so humans are from some alien place, language evolves in the place that it is. It's like we didn't get English from those people or that group, if that was a thing. I don't think it was a thing, but just... English. <laughs> but my thing was also, there are horses here. There are horses. So you have to put yourself back in the frame of mind of an audience in 1968. And I enjoyed this film a lot as a kid because there were not big science fiction franchises at the time. Right. This was before Star Wars. Yes, and, by and a decade. As a matter of fact, this is the reason why there's a Star Wars. Because... This and all of its... Because this spawned several sequels in quick succession. Right. And then a remake a long time later. And there then was a, a television show. That, and a television show and an and animated then the reboot. television and show. I and I like the new reboots, which, uh, are, which are prequels. Right. right? Um, and I like those. Um, and I like some of the effects here. The music was good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the number 18 in the AFI's top... Um, soundtracks. Right. But, yeah, just, we start and he's talking and he, he, he starts with a monologue about how they're headed back to Earth and how so much time is going to have passed and how he can't wait, wait to see how bad humans fucked up the planet in that time that they were gone. So it's all seeded at the beginning. Yes. It's very much a product of its time. Taylor, along with the other astronauts there. Landon um, and... They... I can't remember the other one. So it's a B. Right, well, they don't last very long, the mm-hmm. others. but And then a woman, who's also with them, are on a deep space mission. Yes. That is now slingshotting its way back towards the Earth. Yes, they went through some sort of wormhole, and they presumed that they would be gone... 
was it 700 years or 70 years? Right, and they wind up. I can't, it, it's, it's a goodly chunk of time. Mm-hmm. They think they've been, like, they've experienced six months, but it's going to be like. Six months in deep space by our time. But according to Mr. Helson's theory of time, the vehicle traveling nearly the speed of light, the Earth has aged nearly 700 years. 700 years. So regardless of time and space, uh-huh. they presume that they will be returning to Earth in to to a planet that they don't right. know. That will be unfamiliar to that them. That will be unfamiliar no. to them. 700 years is the rise and fall of America, everybody. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're not making it another 500 years. There wasn't years. an empire that lasted 700 no. years, aside from the occasional fluctuations in Egypt and yeah. places like that. Right. Um, but the... Uh, no, 700 years is longer is, than any single civilization, right. human civilization has made it. So... Um, mm. the <laughs> Taylor, we start with Taylor giving this narration. What we get from his opening narration is that he's a deeply cynical man. And I expressed to you that this has always been my biggest problem with this first film in the series, uh-huh. is that our hero is just a jerk. He is. He's he... a male chauvinist. He's a member of the Don Draper kind of school of cocktails and yeah. cynicism. What I also don't understand is he is unnecessarily cruel to the two other people that survive with him mm-hmm. as they're trying to come to terms with the fact that they're lost in space. They right. think that they're lost in space when they, they land. Now, even if they weren't lost in space, even if they returned to Earth after 700 years, which was their projected thing that they were going to do, right. why didn't these astronauts, why hadn't these astronauts already kind of tried to deal with that? Like, there was no chance, I don't think, that they were coming back six months later to the wor- the life that they left behind. So why are they so bent out of shape at the fact that they didn't come back to the life the, that they left they behind? Just he wakes them up. So we see the him putting out his cigar. Yes. Oh my god, that's something. Yes, the, he's doing a monologue mm. into like a ship's log or whatever. Right. Yeah, he's smoking a cigar in the spaceship. Come and on, he winds Nail. up come going into well, and aliens. then he puts himself to sleep. Aliens, I think that was the scene that always killed me, is that one of the uh, military officers wakes up and immediately, the sergeant wakes up and just puts a cigar in his mouth right out of deep sleep. And it was like, okay, that that was funny until, you know, you think about it. So he puts out his cigar in this controlled atmosphere. He winds up going to sleep. He wakes up when they've crashed. Yeah, there's an alarm going on. So they... They rush the he and Landon and Dodge. Yeah, Dodge, not B. Um, go. Uh, they try to escape. They try to rescue their female companion, but the glass, which I have to say is kind of flimsy looking on the inner tube, yes, is shattered and she's aged horribly. She's and aged. She's, she's a mummy. So because they, so so first thing that's the other thing about this uh, another thing about this movie. There were four, three of them make it off the ship, and it's all the men. So the only human females in this movie can't speak. Right. Which is aggravating. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so they escape out of this, um, out of their sinking spaceship. Yep. Uh, they get a life raft. 
that or they paddle to shore. I they paddle to shore, yeah. And when they get there, uh, you find out what a jerk tailor is because he's constantly on Dodge's back about he's, everything. He's basically like, get over it. There, no, everything that you've ever known or loved is dead. Right. Which was always going to be the case. That's the thing. That I'm like, why? I think that what the case was is that the other two, Landon and Dodge, didn't really have enough time to absorb it. He was the last person bring them all to sleep. Maybe that's what, what we're being told Except by that. when they flew away, mm-hmm. they knew they would experience six year, six months, mm-hmm. and the sh- and the Earth would experience 700 years. Now, it turns out when he looks at the calendar, they've actually gone like 2,200 years in the future. Right. But fundamentally, if I left today and came back in 700 years or 2,200 years, Nothing that I know today would be here in either case. So I don't understand why they're so... Were they just not told that? I don't know. That's wild. The the, <laughs> the readings tell them that they're 2,200 years in the future. Mm-hmm. Tell them that they're in the Orion Bellatrix system. Right. So that's why, in the beginning, they think they're on another planet. Right. And also, again, for our readers who are too young to remember this, and I, as the elder statesman of this program, I suppose, there was a time when Martian canals were believed to be filled with water, potable sure. water for Earth. Sure. Uh, the clouds on Venus were believed to be all. Yeah, because my first damp, instinct right. when I see liquid, if I if I think mm-hmm. I have crap, if I'm an astronaut, first of all, right. they wouldn't let me be an astronaut. I'm too fat. Uh, You're too and tall. I'm too tall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too big, but. If I was small, and they decided I was allowed to be an astronaut, and I crash-landed, mm-hmm. especially if I was in stasis when I crash-landed, and liquid was coming into the thing, into the ship, my presumption was that liquid was going to oh. kill me. My presumption, until right. proven otherwise, is that's not water as I know it. <laughs> well, see, and again, if you And if it at... was water, I'd go, ooh, there's a pretty good church I'm on Earth then. <laughs> Science fiction films before the very first probes arrived on Venus and discovered these are clouds made of sulfur and this is hell, right? Yeah, right. 20 million miles to Earth or voyage to a prehistoric planet or planet Berg, as it was called originally. All these stories were about a swamp-filled... Oh, um, Ray Bradbury wrote one all summer and day. These are planets that have water Just on them. drenched that, with water yeah. and constant vegetation. Right. So the idea was if you landed in a... Water was everywhere. If right. you landed in a lake, right. in this weird sort of it wasn't environment, I it, presume that's like liquid nitrogen, and I'm going right, to die. Exactly. Like that is literally what but I at presume. At the time, that's what people believed. The that, water was common water everywhere. Water Ice was on Mars, right. so they just thought it was the same as here. Okay, all right. Um, so that they didn't freak out for that. No. But once again, you guys, seven hundred years have passed. Your whole family is dead. Right. Was it going to always be but, dead? If nothing went wrong, nothing at all in our thing, in, in, our, in our trip went wrong, if there wasn't a crack, if we didn't get off plan, if da, 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 when you touched down, nothing was going to be as you left it. Well, so landing on another planet uh-huh. where nothing is, nothing is familiar shouldn't be that much of a mind fuck, I guess. <laughs> So these three men, the first, what, 20 minutes of the movie or 15 minutes? Yeah, it's just Taylor going, get the fuck over it. Get over it. Everybody you love is dead. And that's actually a part of the film that I like, aside from his constant 
getting on on uh, his. They his, put uh, a little American flag case. down. <laughs> it's just how weird and alien and strange this. And they dig up looks. one plant. Ooh. Right, and that's what uh, that's what uh, Landon's job. No, Dodge's job is. Landon is the. the He's other, like a botanist, right. yeah, or like a biologist, yeah. right? And so, because they do land in a desert, they they film in. I was like, is this Utah or Arizona? Because mm-hmm. uh, it looks like Utah. Right, it's red rock. Interesting um, rock formations, um, and it is the it is an area between the, on the border of Utah and Arizona. So go me. <laughs> um, and this uh, they they're filming at a man-made lake and reservoir uh, that was dug out starting in 1963. So. It hasn't even opened yet, right. so they were able to use. Which is a good idea because you have the complete run of the place. Yes, so they were able to use a, and in a pla- in a landscape that literally no one has ever seen. Right, and I wish which is I, very cool. It's one of those cases where, and this is an instance where I wish I could have seen this film in nineteen sixty eight. Well, you weren't bored. <laughs> In the year before I was born, <laughs> is that the photography, the widescreen photography, must have been amazing on yes. the big screen to see yes. this. And and nobody nobody will have seen right this this, this location, location this, you didn't see it, it didn't Western, exist. You know, it was yeah. so alien and so strange yeah. looking, and that combined with the score, yeah, which is very weird and percussive and is yeah, really interesting. So that is that was cool. But I was right. also like, well, we're in Utah. You're gonna go to a coast, and then there's gonna be the Statue of Liberty. Please explain to me. <laughs> How? But that's fine, because so, uh, 2,000 years changes things, but it doesn't change that much. But it's fine. At one point, <laughs> um, they discover, and I remember as a kid, this creeped me out, these scarecrows that have hides attached to them. Those are the very distance, creepy. And they're very weird looking. And they're they, like full-sized versions of the Blair Witch thing. Right, and they're played something. You don't know what it is. Yes. And you just and you look at them and, in the and we never and, really yeah learn about that no, in this movie. I don't know if they discuss them I, later. They I really, yeah. they are very much like a scarecrow, but not a scarecrow. It's it is a a layer of protection for the ape civilization right. against whatever's in the forbidden zone. But they don't think anything lives out there. Except so how for perhaps human beings? Except for me, that's and true. The yeah. human beings that they do run into. There's, for one thing, I should inform people. There's a lot of weird, casual male nudity in this movie. It's not okay. Let's get over the fact that m- m- casual male nudity shouldn't be that weird. No, but for 1968, <laughs> even casual female nudity was yes. odd. So we're just uh, seeing a lot of Charlton Heston's ass. At yes. one point or another. They, they all dive into this um, yeah, lake at one point. Yeah, the they wandering through the desert. They dive into this beautiful fountain. It's There's gorgeous. stalks of corn growing around. And yeah, they get naked. Mm-hmm. And it's not being weird. Because... And then their clothes get stolen. Yeah. And it turns out it's stolen by a group of human beings that are there that are, as it turns out, entirely mute and wild. They're almost feral, right? Yes. And Taylor makes the... Brilliant colonizer's observation. Well, in a couple of months, we'll be running this place if this is the best they have. Yep. So he's already thinking. It's yep. like there's nothing. And I'm sure that are the, that's the other thing. Right. Those are humans, sir. Why are you surprised you're on Earth when those are people? Well, again. Now, granted. Right. Right. We left. It's been two thousand years. People must have populated. Really, uh, mute ones. What, sir? So there are horses. 
that's why I said this film is more of a science fantasy. We have, as we discussed when we were we discussed this morning, we've had other science fantasies like Star Wars that pay a little more attention to the science part. I mean, but we've also had yeah. movies like Two Thousand One, which are very science forward. Yes, we had yeah. films like The Arrival, not The Arrival. What was the the film that we were talking about? With Amy Adams. Yeah, that's... Uh, the, right, yes. which is an entire film just about... It's, I, I believe that is called The Arrival. Developing common language and communicating, and that was really absorbing science fiction. Or a film like Gattaca, which is all about the permutations of... Yeah, The Arrival. Arrival was the weird Charlie Sheen okay, alien that's movie. Why the Arrival that. is the Amy Adams movie about communication. So that's literally what that movie is about. You have these other... Mo- Tending toward harder science fiction films, or really thoughtful science fiction films like Solaris or Two Thousand One, and so we've been spoiled by years and years and years of that. That's what it is. That's largely what it is. And so something like this is closer to an an older episode of The Twilight Zone or The Outer Limits. And it feels, it feels preachy. Uh huh. And the thing that's preaching to me is Charlton Heston's teeth, and I don't. <laughs> want to hear what he has to say because we can pry guns from his hands over his cold dead body. No, I or understand. From his, like, I just... It's hard to separate that. I understand it because I have a, tr- a problem now watching... I love Sergio Leone's movies. Uh-huh. The ones, like the West was... ones he did. And watching Clint Eastwood now... We're going to watch Dirty Harry and I'm going to have a bad time, you know? <laughs> but the direction that Clint Eastwood took as a person yeah. is kind of difficult to take for me mm-hmm. because... You know, I used to love watching these movies with my dad, and Leone's movies are really striking looking. Yeah. And he really revolutionized filmmaking, but at the same time, you're watching this this kind of guy. So I have, I understand your problem there. So, so that's that's largely what it is. is right. He's supposed to be... But his character is not... His character is a very cynical late 20th century man who's used to... Yeah, I just don't like that character. He's used yeah. to the... And I just don't, I'm right. like, kill the him. The entitlement of his species. I, I legitimately am like, hey, Zaius, <clears throat> why is he still alive? Right. As soon as he heard he could talk and you believed it immediately, mm-hmm. you should have put a knife in his throat. No, we're jumping the head of the I know. But like, so he's looking, he's eyeing this very young humanoid female to his mind. Yes. Um, Zora? Zo- no, Nova. Nova. Right. Uh, Right, Nova. Who is played by Linda Harrison, who very briefly became Wonder Woman in the 70s, but that's a whole other Oh, I can see that. Yeah. Um, but uh, she, uh, he, so he's looking at this sort of colony of humans, and then there's this these gorillas that come on horseback. Yeah. Gorillas on horses. And there's a, and there's a lot of really well-done action scenes in here. Yes. How yeah. any of this was done was beyond me, because I'm thinking of, as I pointed out to you, these actors are wearing felt and leather, yeah. and they're wearing three in hours of desert. makeup on their oh face. Oh, God, so in the hot. And then you think about the stuntmen riding these horses and yeah. firing guns, and just that whole scene where the feral people are being dragged in nets, and they're wearing loincloths. Yeah, and there are scenes where there are just piles of human bodies, right. y'all. It's... It's rough. You're and like, oh my god, I forgot that this was so I like, showed this scene. I showed this scene to one of our coworkers where the gorillas are netting up these people and just dragging them along. 
And he looked at me and was like, how the hell did these people not get killed making this movie? Well, I don't know. Maybe it was safer than it looked, but it certainly they made it look really dangerous. In the end, Taylor is shot in the throat. Yeah. Oh, he's great. Which he's is which is shown by just yeah, a red line of mm. blood painted on his neck, and he can't talk. And he falls <laughs> backwards into this, which again, how did they do that? I don't know. He fall, He has like a 15-foot fall into this puddle, and and uh, they wind up dragging him. There's a scene, very briefly, we cut across a group of gorillas who hung human beings up. Yep. Like they're being hunted, and there's a pile of bodies, and that's yep, another... there's some that are hung up that right. look like they've been eviscerated. Like, you don't see that, but that's how they're hung. They're hung right. like deer. And, yeah, I was sort of surprised by... And I'm like, oh. uh, gorillas are... I mean, they don't eat that much meat. Right. <laughs> they might hear, but... Later on, that they, they believe the human beings are, like, they're competing with the human beings for food. Human beings are, to them, animals. So they're just shooting them in some sort of an, uh, pest control. Yeah. So they're stringing yeah, them they're up like, like a hunter. Yeah, they're treating us like we treat wolves. Right. And then uh, Taylor is taken to the laboratory, uh, first for vivisection. Yeah. And then later on he's rescued by um, a female scientist, a female chimpanzee scientist. Her name is Zira, and she is the best part of this movie. And Zira is played by Kim Hunter, who was an amazing actress. <laughs> I don't know what she looks like, couldn't pick her up out of a lineup. But right. she was me, in she Streetcar Named Desire. Part. With Brando, that's like she. She was like she's. She held her own with that kind of acting. Um, um, yeah, no, she's definitely the best part. She's my favorite ape performance. Although Zayas is pretty good, mm-hmm. but she's my favorite ape performance. You don't like Cornelius that much. I feel like here's what it is. Mm-hmm. I think her mask was the best. I every other uh, they. This is really, I mean, it's 1968, and it's clearly men in masks that don't move with their face. That's mm. the, pro- that is, so you just get to deal with that. That's right. just, those teeth don't move. You can see the opening, the right. rubber opening. It's rough. And there are some scenes that are better than others, and there are some where they just were like, oh, we just don't give a fuck in this scene. We just don't care. When they're they're at the tribunal, and their three orangutans mm. are there, it's just open mouths and not moving at all. And I'm just like, okay, so we just, we're yeah. just, we're just men in masks today. <laughs> we just don't even care. Yeah. But Kim Hunter's, I don't know, if she had the most patience and they molded her face the best or what, but you could never see inside of her mouth. Never. I think she you also... never got the just weird, weirdly open mouth uh-huh. where you could see. She tilted her head down a lot. That... And she looked up with her eyes a lot. And she did a lot of, she was interesting. Her story is that she went to go look at a chimpanzees in the zoo. And she spent hours looking at it them and learned their body language. It fucking paid off and because she is the realest of any of the ape actors. Uh, because there's three stratas of society in this film, mm-hmm. which is the gorillas it's who are speciesist. The, the muscle. The muscle. They're the police right? and the they're military. The, are the military, they're the police. There is the orangutans. They're who, the po- politi- po- politicians. The, the politicians, the religious leaders are all orangutans. Yeah. They have their own version of leaders, kind of like generally, yeah. a Moses character, the lawgiver, which yeah. is how you refer to Moses. Um, but he's the lawgiver who wrote their sacred skulls. 
that are a thousand years old. He's the Joseph Smith of the bunch. <laughs> but he, um, he's an orangutan. Yeah. And and the, the chimpanzees, chimpanzees are scientists. Scientists and in generally intellectuals, but they... But they're still under orangutans. Right. The, the like... There's like it, and it's you guys. It's a real small. They don't go past the forbidden zone. Right. It's a real small society. We're talking about maybe ten thousand at the most. Yeah, right. That's it's what it looks like. small, and so all of the scientists are under the director of science or whatever right. he is, and that's Doctor Zayas. Um, a minister of science, I think. Minister, it's right? Like, yes, it is like a it's minister, a title, yeah. and and they're all. Well, or like British law. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Um, That's a good idea, yeah. Uh, so uh, you're talking about a minister of the law. You're talking about a minister of science. You're talking mm -hmm. about a minister but of... And so there are, you know, seven or eight quadrants, and those are all orangutans, and then everybody... They're always differing to the knowledge of the sacred scrolls. Though. Yes. Which, yeah, that scene also just... It irritated me, and I understand what it was doing. Right. But the logic in it bothered me when he's put on trial later. And I, yeah, I just, I was just like, ooh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so he's, he becomes basically, so oh, Ch Heston Taylor mm -hmm. uh, becomes Bright Eyes. That's right. what she calls him. He still can't talk, but he does, she thinks he can communicate. She thinks he's intelligent. And he's gesturing for things all the time. He's, he's trying to write right. in the dirt, and then Nova comes out and scratches it out. I'm like, bitch! <laughs> he's trying to write a note in the dirt, and Nova comes out and scratches it out. And at that point, I was like, are we going to find out that this bitch can talk? And mm. she can read? And there, this is a ploy? Because why would you do that? <laughs> Here's something that you should keep in mind, and all of our listeners, um, that... The screenplay is based on a novel by Pierre Bourdieu. Yeah. Right? It's it was a written French in French. novel, yes. Um, and Pierre Bourdieu, who incidentally also wrote the next movie we're going to be doing, which is Bridge Over the River Kwai. Yes. Um, that's weird. <laughs> it's weird that it's back to back, too. Yeah, that's what but, um, his, his only two things that he's right. known for are those two things. The screenplay was written originally by Rod Serling, mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of Serling's kind of yeah. I see that, but then I then I'm but there's whole long scenes where I'm like, where did Rod Serling go? It was considered too expensive to produce, as Bull had written it, which is apes driving cars, apes and ape, you know, like a, a, ape a more advanced right. civilization. And I kind of I like it better this way because I, I think it makes sense more sense even right. just two thousand years, unless. Well, although here's that's the thing, right. um, I feel like the new movies are building towards that eventuality because mm -hmm. they're not going to wipe out all of mankind's accomplishments. They're going right. to take them and use them and build off of them, right. adjust them for their needs. But they're not going to start at we need to invent a wheel. But it feels like these monkeys or these apes started mm. with we need to invent the wheel. <laughs> like they, I, instead I, of going, right. oh, let's use some of that technology. Like in in the new movies, these these apes are brought up literally next to this technology. See how it is informing their own evolution, mm -hmm. and then we'll use it to presumably take over the world. There's a new movie coming out. 
soon. Yeah, so I, there's really, gonna be a fourth I, one. I have to say, I really did. I really enjoy the new films. I do too. But it feels like I said that they're starting. They're not starting mm-hmm. from zero. They're starting from 150 where right. humans are, and they're like, "All right, great. We'll take what you've done in true colonizer fashion right. for our own. We're not gonna, yeah, re- redesign a plane. You've got a plane. So <laughs> we'll figure out how it works." The script was extensively rewritten by Michael Wilson, and then Franklin Schaefer Schaffner. I'm sorry. Um, How many writers are listed on this thing? Schaffner, the the director, actually had scenes improvised, and he's credited with doing all the goofy humor to it. At one point, uh, Julius, who's the um, the warden of the uh, the human uh, area of the research, the vivisection uh, center, or whatever it's called. Uh, when Z- um, Zira tells him it looks like he's talking, he goes, well, you know what they say, humans see, human do. They say human do. But then meanwhile, <laughs> at the trial, the mm-hmm. three orangutans do. hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. Right. And I'm just like, oh, no. And that was also not in <laughs> anybody's draft of the script. That was something that the director was, put in. I was so <laughs> upset. <laughs> I got a like, big laugh from the audience. And so he's like, we're, we're keeping that in. And it, they didn't just keep it in. It's on screen for a long right. time. Yeah. And so at, what happens at this point, He Nova is sent to be his mate or something. Yeah. Um, and Nova is a name he gives her. Right. So that's fun. Uh, he's having these sort of monologues to her because she can't understand what he's saying or she possibly, they can hear. They're just all mute. All yes. Humans. Finally, he can talk. Yes. At one point, he begins to speak. Yeah. And we learn this because um, he escapes. Yeah. When, he, when he's, uh, when she is, He's demonstrated, to, or he's shown to Dr. Zayas after he's writing. He's writing furiously. He learned that he can write. He took a pen and pa- uh, he, yeah, a he, paper from uh, her, her notebook yeah. and starts writing. And once he he's starts, writing, yeah. And so they, they're like, well, he's not... Because at first when he's making noise, mm-hmm. they're like, he's mimicking like a parrot right. does. Like a parrot doesn't speak. A parrot mimics back to us. And, right. and they can put meaning to the sounds that they're making. And then what's the difference between that and speech? Oh, I'm going to say nothing. But anyways. um, That's how children learn. uh, Yes. And she shows uh, to him to Cornelius. She, and then he makes a paper airplane. Right. And they don't have planes. Planes are impossible. Fly isn't a possibility to them. Right. So that's where we are with the thought process of the orangutans. We're talking about Pre sixteen hundreds somewhere humanity. It's a, pre, it's a very far pre-industrial civilization. Like I'm gonna say before Da Vinci, I think is the first person. I'm sure flight had been considered, mm-hmm. but I think Da Vinci's the first person to really be like, no, I'm pretty sure this is a thing we could do. Um, he still didn't, right? Um, but he was probably at least as far as we know. I mean, there have been billions of people 
with billions of thoughts. So um, we don't know. But I think Da Vinci, it's 1600s is about when humanity started thinking, oh, maybe flight is a possibility. So we're talking about, yeah, right. pre-medieval or medieval or earlier thought That's processes. That's the, the age of the culture, although they do have rifles. They do have other yeah. things. Which or... would be 1600 BCE. Right. That would be about like sixteen hundred years, maybe since they started whatever their okay, culture yeah. is. Um, but humanity's been around for fifty thousand years, so, it's, so well. So you know, she introduces him as a bright eyes now that he's writing to Cornelius, who's her fiance. Fiance. Who's played by Roddy McDowell. Roddy McDowell. Who's hysterical. Who sounds like Roddy McDowell. He's very funny. I he stands he... in a real weird, awkward way. He looks like he's a... He, this is what I like about him. And his... he seems slack-jawed, even in a rubber mask. It's <laughs> very weird. His posture always looks like a guy who's expecting to get hit in the gut. Yes. <laughs> he like... very much is. His, his chest is... Yeah, his mm-hmm. shoulders are... Rounded in a way right. that it just reads, please don't. <laughs> right. And that's kind of his character, though. He's developed the theory of ape evolution, which is that apes have evolved from a lower order of primate, possibly man. Yes. Right. Right. And at this, uh, I think that was one of the funniest and bits they, as a kid. They think Taylor actually like tries to laugh, but his throat hurts, so yeah. he's covering his throat. Yeah. And... And I don't know, it's, it might just be because it's the 60s, and this uh, is how scientific thought was then. Right. I forget that the way that human knowledge works is every year we learn as much as we learned in every year from, like, forever ago through last year. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's exponential to a degree that is um, kind of not possible to even grasp. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like... Why you see you interact with these humans. You see them as a pest, but you interact with them. We interact with animals. We we humans right. interact with animals. And understand maybe it took until this long, understand intelligence in some animals, right? Like we yeah. understand that uh dolphins show intelligence apes show intelligence birds show until like there's an intelligence to them not just yeah and some animals i would argue are smarter than us octopus when, when i was a kid <laughs> all right but was that a, is that a new is that new yes. okay when that's what it kid, is it's just because i were still being defined in textbooks as tool users Mind you, birds use tools, right? No, that's right. They were, that's really the only thing that right. put us that's separate. distinguished And birds right. didn't just start using tools <laughs> right. in the last 20 years. For the longest time. Yeah. And so... We probably learned how to use, use tools. tools. Insects build homes. From other right. things. Like, people wanted to say otters learn using tools from us. And I'm like, I bet. <laughs> we started eating oysters because we saw that meeting now. Right. It was the other way. We want to say that they learned but, from us, but I 100% believe it was the uh, other way. That, again, remember, this is... This so the fact that there... Yes, yeah, so that, that's why that, that gets me stuck where I'm like, yeah. you're, you're, you're studying these creatures for whatever reason, which is never really clear why they're studying humans. If you just see them as a pest, you should just... Just 
get yeah. rid of them. Just well, I think that Cornelius obviously is trying not to get beheaded for heresy right. because you can still be beheaded. No, but I just mean scientifically. But, why Zara is or Zira is keeping all of them and able to do that? What is she studying them for? And that's and then if you're not right. going to make the assumptions that they are intelligent or could be intelligent, obviously she does start making that that right. assumption here. But I would argue that Nova is not unintelligent. She's no. mute. That's not the same thing. <laughs> or, you know, the, right. the ability to speak isn't where our intelligence comes from. So it's just, it's, I'm just like, what are you doing in this lab? Is really my question. I but. think that, well, anyhow, I don't want yeah. to describe motivations no, to it's her. Fine. But I yeah. think that it's basically she believes her boyfriend's idea, her fiance's idea. Yeah. And she's trying to find a way to prove it because she keeps, she has this naive Which faith. Which is not how science works. But this naive faith that if she can tell the religious authorities of Ape City or prove to them that human that apes have evolved from human beings, that they'll just be forced to accept it. And she keeps saying that all through the film, despite yeah. the fact that Which everyone also, tells like, her, no, it's not going to happen. It doesn't matter. Right. If we have, if if apes did evolve from humans, mm -hmm. which once again, just like we didn't evolve from chimpanzees, right. because chimpanzees are here now, Tell we evolved from something that also evolved right. into chimpanzees. There's a, there's like a why. There's like a split. It's not they're here and we're here and we came from them. That doesn't yeah. make any goddamn sense. But and so there's a, so she thinks he's the missing link, right? <laughs> right? Which, which... Because of speech. Right. But she's already done literal dissections to say there's nothing physically that removes the power of speech. It must be in their brain. Yeah. Which doesn't... So they say that, but then it doesn't really make sense. There's two theories that are going on, as it turns out. Uh, um, Taylor escapes. Yeah. He runs amok around the city. Amok. Amok. That yeah. is the only word for it. Um, and eventually is captured again, and this is when he speaks for the first time. Yeah. Get your stinking paws off me, you, you damn, damn dirty, dirty ape. ape. And that's like, again, like Spartacus, I'm Spartacus. It doesn't matter it how overplayed like, that moment is. It still really I know, you works. were like, it's going to happen. And then I was <laughs> like, you know what this feels like? It feels like a white man waking up when there are only black people around and just yelling the N-word. Why would you use slur what they are in charge here they have the guns right why would you <laughs> you damn dirty ape seems ill-advised i think this is after he's found out that, that they're cutting people open they and... vivisected the only person who could prove his story no that was it was, be it was before that um because he's um, oh no no no! I'm sorry. Said, yeah. This is after after they threatened to castrate him. Yes, them. that's what it was. Um, <laughs> yes. and it was Doctor Zayas seeing that he they was said you're gonna we're gonna take you to be castrated. Which right. I don't know why Zayas didn't. Like I said, just you cut that throat. But be um, done with it. You don't even have to just castrate right. him. Just kill him. You, he's a problem for you, sir. Just kill him. So uh, make the movie yes, a lot shorter. You find out that that uh, uh, is it, Landon. The, the, the guy who Landon, winds yeah. up. And you wind up seeing the other member of the team is actually mounted in the museum. Mounted in a museum. So, yeah, when they were all captured, mm -hmm. um, Dodge 
was killed immediately, right. and he is yes, like stuffed in in the um, in the like the, the educational area, yeah. right? Um, and then he they find Landon later, but he has like a horseshoe size or like shaped scar on the side of his head and is unable to speak. They have lobotomized him, really primitive, which we find out later right. wasn't on purpose, right? Um, Zaya said he never spoke, and I did that to save his life. But later we find and we out. We find that, that out after the trial that you didn't have that you had the issue yeah. with. So after he gets he escapes and is mm. brought back, they put him on trial. The trial doesn't make any goddamn sense. So the you can't you you can't put a dog on trial. Mm-hmm. People have put mules on trial before. But if you're going to say that this is a lesser life form that doesn't isn't subject to our laws, then you cannot try them legally. That's mm-hmm. not... What? <laughs> and then they also put Zira and Cornelius on trial for heresy for defending the person that shouldn't be on trial because he's not a person. But also they make them... Def- him them defend him like they they don't give him a, a choice right. they're just like you well, guys are heretics is, because right. we've placed you here and made obviously, you obviously there's nothing like, that what? Cornelius and Zara can do and Cornelius actually steps up and starts spout mouthing he off he does and so and but yeah. like it the it's one of those this is a kangaroo court it, it the the offer of so he's speaking, he's trying to tell his story. They don't want to hear it. They say, if you're intelligent, then tell us what our, you know, Rule 51 is, what the Sacred Scroll said, yeah. whatever. Which, of course, he doesn't know because he, he's not from, not from here. here. <laughs> and then the argument then becomes Cornelius dives in and is like, okay, fine, logically, you're right. He's saying he came from another planet. Uh, and, and a time distant past, right? right? That's what he's saying. Obviously, that can't be the case because flight is an impossibility. <laughs> flight itself is an impossibility. Flight across uh, to other planets is not even... We're right. not even going to talk about it. So he must... But he's here. Right. This is him right here. <laughs> he must have come from somewhere. Right, so he believes that he's some sort of brain damage. Because everyone here has a different idea. Um, the orangutans who put him on trial are pushing the idea that he's a mutant. He's either a mutant, or which is what Doctor Zayas believes. They they are pushing the idea that he is something operated on. He's a creation, a false construction by Cornelius and Zera, and Zera. to produce to, or as evidence for their theory of evolution. Gotcha. So they think that he, right. he, they, he, they gave him a voice box right. and taught him to say a bunch and, of shit. Know, which is a sectionist and he has this wild yeah. theory. He's, they're fabricating evidence for this to destroy our ape right. culture. Which is... <laughs> and, you know, crazier things have happened. So that shit is QAnon stuff, though. That's right. where that shit comes from. Like... What can I say to make this make sense? Well, nothing, because it doesn't make sense. So, good luck. Um, Yeah. And then Zero and Cornelius seem to believe that he's, you know, okay, maybe he's not right in the head, but he obviously is coming from somewhere. Right. Zero and Cornelius are looking at him and going, we didn't create him. Right. 
I can't believe that he's telling the truth, but he is, in fact, standing in this room right. with us with the ability to speak. And to reason, which they didn't believe the humans had. And to reason. So, what's that about? <laughs> like, some something has to be true. He came from somewhere and some when. Because he's here now. So um, he's, he's slated to be destroyed now. He has a private conversation with Dr. Zayas. Who who's is, like, I know, I know, I knew you could talk right away. And I, I know that they're not making things up. And mm. I don't give a fuck. And you're a danger to me. And well, I'm like, once again, why have you not killed him? He's saying that he, well, the reason why he is trying to keep him alive is that he believes that all this nonsense about being from outer space is the world's worst excuse. And that he's actually from somewhere out in the Forbidden Zone. And that there's a, a big, colony like a colony of mutations. And, and they're going to attack Ape City. Gotcha. So he's trying to get like an expedition to go after him. Um, he's returned to his cage. He's going to be destroyed. And Cornelius and Zera, and I forget the name of the teenage ape that they... Um, oh, I don't, Julius, maybe? No, Julius was the, oh. the guy who with the, the hose who's... Um, let's see... Lucius. Mm-hmm. Lucius, that's right. They're all, not all, because Zayas mm-hmm. and Zera are nothing, right. but they all have these U.S. names. Well, these they all have these Red Roman, Roman names, names, right? Yeah. Cornelius. And, and, um, and I will say, I cannot tell the you all, uh, I could not tell the difference between the orangutans at all. I fucking couldn't tell the difference between them. I think that it was... They said their names constantly. Uh, That's the only way that I was like, this must be Dr. Zayas, because they keep calling him Zayas. I think Maurice Evans, I can, uh, he, he was distinctive enough because I knew him as a performer. Maybe, and you and maybe think, knew his voice, but the the right. coloring of them was almost identical. The outfits they were in were almost identical. The size of the actors, mm-hmm. they were almost identical. I was like, when there were three of them on the screen, I'm like, I don't know which and one I of these is which. Unless you were really familiar with the actors, the characters and I was in the late 60s all. or the early 70s, <laughs> you wouldn't know who these people are. But it's like, it's kind of funny watching them. At one point in one of the later movies, John Huston shows up. In a flashback, as the lawgiver, <laughs> he's the you know oh, the Lord. head of his people, and it's really like wow, that's, that's John Huston. You can tell, but yeah, you when they were all together, I was like, <laughs> I literally was like, is it racist? But I don't know the difference between the orangutans. No, they're all <laughs> so just... they go, uh, Lucius, Cornelius, Zera, mm-hmm. Nova, because yeah. Taylor insists on taking her. They all flee out into the forbidden zone. They flee zone. out into the for, toward, towards the forbidden zone. Towards the forbidden zone. Uh, Nova and uh, Taylor are going to keep going, and right. uh, Cornelius and Sarah were going to and return to the archaeological gonna, Yes, where he found evidence of this human evolution. Yes. Um, and while they're there researching this or looking into it, there are there's a gunfight with the gorilla and Doctor Zayas, who have come out to exterminate them. Yes. Dr. Zayas is captured. Yes, by Taylor, basically. And they have a second kind of... Yeah, yeah, love it. That's fine. They have a second kind of trial where... Sort of, yeah. Where um, he uh, is asked to... Cornelius is asked to provide evidence that of his theory that he was... Yeah, so he's like, at this strata we found this, at this strata we found this, but then further down we found mm-hmm. this. And he finds eyeglasses. Um, 
something that Taylor recognizes as a uh, replacement valve. heart yeah. valve. Yeah. Um, so he's like, well, whoever lived here was old and infirm because this was a replacement heart valve. They had eyeglasses, like, oh, right. indentures, I think was yeah. one of the other things. Um, and then they find a baby doll, which is a human baby doll. And they're like, well, apes used to... And the, the Isaiah keeps fighting back with apes used to keep humans as pets. Right. And then when the doll is dropped, it says Mama. And they're like, would apes have made a doll that looked like a human and could speak? Right. The answer to that, everyone, is no. <laughs> no, they would not have. And so with that, there's mm. ca- there's some sort of proof that at some point in the history of this planet, humans could speak. Right. Does that mean apes came from humans? No. No. All it means is that at some point on this planet, <laughs> there were humans that could speak. That's literally it. That's all that we know. And Zeus is... Uh, so Zira and um, Cornelius are like, you've proven it that we're not, we're not heretics, so we're going to be cool. And I was like, why do you think that's true? Because immediately they, they're like, Taylor and Nova, you go. Mm-hmm. We don't need you to prove, you know, to get us off the hook because this has proved it. Zeus has seen right. it. Da, 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 da. I'm like, but Zeus is an asshole and also in charge. Why do you think that he's going to let this work? And then, of course, yeah, as soon as Taylor's fucking out of eye shot or whatever, Zeus is like, boom, the cave. Y'all are going to go to jail for heresy. And I was like, yeah, because power's going to do what right. power's going to fucking do. And so then we are treated to these scenes of Taylor along the seashore with Nova. Yes, he, he's... Th- this is th- this is just geographic issues that I have. They are clearly riding along the west coast of the United States. The beaches on the east coast don't look like the beaches on the west coast. They just don't. Mm-hmm. Maybe 2,000 years in the future, but I'm going to go with no, um, but so they're, yeah, they're galloping along Malibu when all of a sudden we are see, we see um, it's weird because what we see and then what he sees doesn't make sense. We see like a uh, it's the Statue of Liberty's um, torch is right. the first thing that we see, which doesn't make sense for what. We end up seeing at the back end, but and then we see points, and then we scroll around, and he, yeah, yells about how we we went and did it, we went and destroyed everything, right? Um, you know, and and he curses humanity like humanity hasn't already been cursed. Uh, so there's some. I guess we're supposed to understand in 1968, this is a post-nuclear right. situation. So maybe the Statue of Liberty fucking went all the way around the United it States. Also, maybe half of the United States is gone. It might have traveled around the Earth and washed up on the shore. That could yeah, be half yeah, the know. Statue of Liberty. Yeah. That's, it could also be that the West Coast suddenly has a different geography after a nuclear war. Right. And, and so... Uh, that part bothers me less. I know that the things. It's I, just I'm just like the things that. Again, watching it now as a person yeah. who's seen a lot of science fiction, yeah, 
the first indication should have been the apes are speaking perfect English. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and, my 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 whole thing mm-hmm. is literally the opening scene is this man talking about how he's going back to Earth, mm-hmm. and a bunch of time has gone by. Right. They told us what the fuck was going to happen. Right, but again, and then it happened when it crashes. So why am I supposed to be so surprised? What do you? Your overall feeling is that you didn't. Man, I want to punch Charlton Heston in each tooth. Punch, punch, punch. I just... Him as the lead of a movie is rough for me. Mm-hmm. Then hers coming. I'm not excited. Um, I I don't find him to be a good actor. And I don't find his character to be a good steward through this movie. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. And... Yeah, motives were sketchy at best. (laughs) Why each person was doing what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I was just like, what is your reason? Like, what is your reasoning right now? For, I suppose that there may have been times in human history wherein I mean, I maybe I should read the actual Snopes Monkey Trial. Um, stupid shit like that was said in a courtroom. I'm sure it's. Tr- I'm sure that's the case, and that is the reason for that scene. But like, to prove intelligence, if 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 something is telling you that they came from another planet, mm-hmm. and you need it to prove your it its intelligence. Having it tell you about your own culture is like, that's not a sign of, here we go, cultural literacy is not a sign of intelligence. (laughs) And the fact that that was the bar that was given is frustrating to me. But you can see in a culture like that how that would be their... Yeah, I guess so. That seemed logical to me at the time. And maybe maybe it is a... Mm -hmm. This is not a dig towards Christianity generally, Mm -hmm. but a a, a little bit of a dig toward evangelicalism. Evangelicalism. Where cultural literacy is kind of the only bar of intelligence that you have to clear in some circles. And I just... That is extremely foreign to me mm-hmm. and just on its face seems irrational right off the bat because I wasn't raised in a situation right. where that was a default. So it just bothers me, especially in a courtroom. Uh, you know I love a courtroom scene. Instead you got a naked and Trump has to <laughs> I, a bunch of apes. <laughs> that's, that's your courtroom doing scene. Doing hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil as a joke. Mm-hmm. I was just like... Yeah, I think that's the, the other thing. Right. Like, I think you're that, making a joke to me, the audience, while you're also trying to make yes, points to me, the audience. Trying, it's the tone was having issues, mm-hmm. and I think that Taylor as a character is difficult to like. And so, in the end, when I first saw it, I was genuinely just sad for him that his whole cynicism about the human race is kind of put on. And then in the end, it's proven to be true. It's it's proven like, to be true. And he wasn't really a cynic. No, he wasn't. Because he was shocked by this. Right. And so it's Because like, the, 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 the personification the, right. that you've been seeing, as soon as he saw that Statue of Liberty, been, would have been like, yep. And that is... Absolutely, that's what happened. That is the best acting of the entire film that he gives. 
he just like breaks down. And I remember watching it. And of course. And maybe because that's the only true thing to this character that we've seen. Right. Because everything else and has I been wonder, some sort of a facade. Right. He's always fronting, as we say in the street. Which is wild because for who? Right. For what? He's. This is his estimation. Is it just of the to- uh, just a fucking walking around version of toxic masculinity? Right. And that's why that's I can't fucking is, deal with I mean, it. Maybe that's what he it does. Is. Make that crack about you know in six months we'll be in charge of this. But he yeah. really does believe he he his line in the, his opening speech is about what about man that paragon of creation or that you know marvel of creation. What happens to him in seven hundred years? And of course he finds out now he's in the bottom of the food chain. And he's just struggling like everything else. Um, but yeah, I think that was the most honest moment in the entire performance. I think that there are scenes taken out of this film that could have contributed. It already it's at yeah. two hours. And yeah, something. this this right. thing could have been edited. And and I think I think just somebody looking at each character mm-hmm. and every decision that they make and just going, well, why? And if you can't rationalize right. it, don't either don't make that decision or don't show it, it to was, me because it wasn't important. It was very skittish getting this film made at all. I mean, they were, the producers were genuinely frightened of the kinds of things that they were pulling, both the statements about religion, the statements about society and culture uh-huh. and stuff like that. And it turns out that um, uh, there were was an entire plot thread for Nova. Mm-hmm. Where she actually is pregnant with Taylor's child, yeah, and in I believe that feels that feels um, inevitable. Serling's version of the script: Taylor is killed at the end of the film, and Nova runs off with his child, and she's running off. It's the a Spartacus zone. ending, right? But instead, this ending, which is closer to the ending of the book, which is finding out you've been on Earth all along. Um, but uh, anyhow, I. Even when the story doesn't work, there's parts of it missing. It feels like there's pieces of it missing. The score really works for me. Yeah. That's Jerry Goldsmith, who's also responsible. We saw him do the score for The Omen. Yeah. And for um, Poltergeist. Oh, wow. Okay. He did uh, L.A. Confidential. He did A Patch of Blue. He did Star Trek The Motion Picture and Alien. Okay, so he's so a he's, remarkable composer, yeah. and he also does a lot of avant-garde weird stuff with this score. And you're listening to it, going, "Okay, this there's a reason why it's all percussion." There's that he uses the cello to imitate like eight noises at one point. Yes, <laughs> it yeah, it was really creative. Yeah, he he is. I'm gonna see if he's on this. Um, he's number eighteen, Jay Goldsmith. Let's see if he's anywhere else. Uh, on the top 25. Yep. Chinatown. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So that's number 10. Number 9, excuse me. So yeah, and I'm sure in the other 100 mm-hmm. are other ones that right. you, you've listed. So yeah, he's... um. But yeah, for the Omen, he wrote an entire piece in Latin, you know, like an inverted mass that he wrote himself. It's like, no, I, I didn't attend a black mass. I actually just wrote one with all these weird lyrics to it and and so, yeah, he's a very careful composer. He's very clever, and there's a lot of kind of funny... There's a lot of humor to what he wrote in this score. Um, that The costume design and the art direction are amazing. I feel very sorry for the poor actors who had to act through all this makeup. Yeah, it's 
and that's I think Kim does mm-hmm. by far the best job. Um, there are, you do just kind of have to go plastic masks, j- rubber masks. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. Right. Just you got to be okay with it. If and you're not going to be okay with it, don't even watch this movie. For, it's going to bother you. For uh, I think the whole there was a whole step forward in technology taken, creating um, a rubber that was porous enough for them to sweat through. Because otherwise oh, they would have all, you know, fainted in that heat. And even then, there were people who were having issues who couldn't come back, you know, that they wanted to cast, they couldn't in the end. But um, if you haven't seen any of the rest of the movies, just to give you a brief arc of what happens after this, uh-huh. it gets very science fiction-y. It's Escape from Conquest of and Battle yeah. 4. Or the or Beneath the Planet of the Apes is a second Oh, and film. Beneath. Beneath the Planet of the Apes. And that's where you find out there's been a nuclear war. Okay. And again, it's very clever. There's a group of mutants who actually created the Forbidden Zone. And they worship an, uh, the Omega Bomb, they call it. Do we find out? So, as we said, this is mm-hmm. a small colony. Right. And they don't believe that there are any... Buddy else out on in the planet. They figure they're alone on the planet. Right. And you find out that the whole... Is that... Not, that is not the no, case. There's okay. a whole... That Dr. Zayas was right. There's a whole group of mutants living out there in the desert. Do they talk? They do talk, but they communicate mostly telepathically. Oh. And, um, and that movie is really clever. That follows immediately... Are the humans that we'd seen previously communicating telepathically? No. Okay. But the, <sighs> the, the radiation created... Differences sure. in their issue. Well, again, radiation. Sure. 1970. It's fine. So, uh, <laughs> and the end of that movie ends with the end of the world. They set off the Omega bomb and it blows up the entire world. And you're going, okay. Well, how then how are there three more? <laughs> because Cornelius and Zira were able to use the spaceship and travel back in time to 1971. And they show up. Nope, I'm out. Stop right. it. I can't. It's nope, really absolutely funny. not. And then they wind up. Is it Roddy and Kim? Yeah. Is uh, it yes. the same same cast? They go back in time, and then it becomes this very strange metaphor, right? They get back in time. They show up in 1971. They become a cause for celebration. But it's discovered that by one of the um, politicians that welcome them, and there's a really funny scene where they get the spaceship, but they expect to see Taylor and, and his company. And then these chimpanzees pull off their costumes and like, hi, <laughs> don't mind us. Also, didn't you not expect them back for 700 years? Right. But they fly, they go through the same wormhole. wormhole. So they wind up back where Taylor started. That's how that works, but that's fine. But, um, and then they wind up, they wind up uh, giving birth to a monkey. And then the film ends with Cornelius and Zira being killed, and the monkey is taken in by Ricardo Montalban, who is a zookeeper, who's like a circus owner, who oh, takes him in and just keeps him with the rest of the apes so nobody knows. And that winds up becoming Caesar. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and Caesar is a character in these old movies? Yes. Okay. And I, up, I only know him as a character in And he winds up being played by set. Roddy McDowell again. Okay. And Conquest of the Planet of the Apes is a film that was... And um, these were made in 70, 71, 72, 73, and 74. They are made in fucking quick succession. Or released in quick succession. That was a film, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, that actually had to have an ending. 
reassigned to it uh, because it showed the apes being subjugated and being used essentially as slave labor. Yeah. And then they all turn and start killing off the human beings. Yeah. It started riots. I, w- I would like to point you towards Spartacus, right, wherein exactly. I say, don't teach your slaves how to but, fight. I mean, <laughs> the, it, there was, um, there at this point, was in 1972 in theaters in black neighborhoods in Los Angeles, this movie really came over really well. Wow. And right. so they had to go back and edit in, because the end of the film ends with a speech where Caesar's like, this is the end of humanity. Fuck this em. is the beginning yep. of the Planet of the Apes, the rise of the Planet of the Apes. So that became. So they were like, ooh, nope. Right. So they had we to gotta go back not and, do that. And dub in a an extra coded to the film. And while we're at it, we're gonna kill. We're gonna kill Fred Hampton while we're at it right. because but, yeah. yeah, we're not letting the black man rise. That's absolutely not. They they saw also the, make them hate poor white people and make poor white people hate them so that they can't join together and uh, overthrow well, and everything. This, that was because the mob, right? Is America <laughs> that film had uh, the the next film afterwards was about life under the apes, and their uh, the battle for the planet of the apes is about Cornelius and his family, and they're starting ape society. But he wants to start it again where we can live on equal terms, and uh, and there's a battle with the last of the nuclear war survivors, so to speak. Um, it's a really interesting arc because you can see flashes of like the Terminator and things like that. Uh-huh. In it. You know, you go back in time and you restart the entire franchise. It was just really, there's so many twists to this whole storyline. So when they did the remake, I wasn't that interested because I don't really like Tim Burton's aesthetic. And it had uh, Marky Mark in it when he was still, I think, being called Marky Mark, which not a good one. The <laughs> reason why I saw that one is that Rick Baker worked on the film. Ah. And Rick Baker was very much, you know, John How Chambers. How were the effects on that one? Oh, yes, they were great. Good. But at the same time. I saw part the film of it. Was not working. When I was watching some other movie at a mm-hmm. drive in, it was playing and on the theater, on the screen next right. to us. So I'd look over to it every once in a while, but I I wasn't listening to it because mm-hmm. it's when the speaker was for the movie that I was watching. Um, right. But I, I do remember seeing pieces of it, but I've never watched it. I've never watched the entire thing. Uh, and it was just too silly for me, um, which is strange because you this film at least had a bite to it. And the remake really didn't for me. Um, and then, of course, there's the new series that was done, the reboot, which had a different origin for where the apes come from. And I like that one, too. I really do. Which would be Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and... Um, War for. War for the Planet of the Apes. And I believe they're doing another one. Which would be Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, okay. And that comes out, like, 2024. Like, right. it's not... We're not there yet. Uh, Yeah. Did you find it thrilling? I found it thrilling. I And it's not just my childhood. There are scenes, like we mentioned, the chase scenes in this movie yeah. are spectacularly staged. And how they did some of this, The music makes know. it kind of thrilling. Right. The fact that I wanted to punch <laughs> the main character all of yes. the times made it not very thrilling. So I understand why it's on the list. It came out the day before my birthday. 
Oh, really? April 3rd, 1968. I mean, several years before I was born. Uh, so that is the Planet of the Apes. Hmm. And next week, we're going to watch its weird twin, The Bridge of the River Kwai. Uh, it's not sci-fi, guys. It's, no. it's, uh, it's a war movie. Arguably, this was not sci-fi either. So yeah, that's are. true. Is Bridge on the River Kwai, I always thought of it as being historical, but it is historical fiction. Yes. It's a war it movie. It is a war it, movie, but it's, it didn't It's happen. based on the kind of events that happened. Using slave sure. labor to build bridges and things. Uh, or to do, yeah, right. to, to, to do infrastructure work for your own, for the other side. Right. That makes sense. Um, okay. So, but written by the same person that wrote Planet of the Apes, the book Planet of the Apes. So weird. What what varied ideas this man had in his head, and he wrote it in French. So is the is the story about American POWs or is it about you know, uh, European know. POWs? I'll probably know all that information by next week. We'll have to look it up. Yes. Okay. In the meantime, uh, we are going to watch a version that you recorded off of TCM. Mm-hmm. TCM. So that should be they're fairly complete, and I also. Uh, TCM gets really odd prints of the movies that have additional scenes at times where I'm looking at this going, this doesn't even have what I had on my DVD. But, um... Anyhow, yes. I think it's available in the Criterion Collection or something, because it's it's a classic. Yes. So until then, Mm -hmm. though, do you have anything else you want to recommend to loverly listeners? I would like to recommend a, um... A television program that we started wa- that I started watching because I know that you'll probably have another one. Uh, it's as a matter of fact, no. Let me recommend something else. Okay, I'm going to recommend a program on Netflix. I'm not sure how much longer it'll be on. Called "Is That Black Enough for You?" It's a movie. It's a it's, it's a, a documentary movie, and, by Elvis, and it's narrated by Elvis Mitchell, and it's about the quote unquote black exploitation years of independent filmmakers outside of Hollywood and how they filmmakers like uh, Melvin Van Peebles um, and Gordon Parks were creating a whole kind of industry around with black actors um, working on mostly low budget films so they were flying completely underneath the radar and making just a, like a lot of a lot of uh, opportunities for black performers. Yeah. And Yeah, uh, I started watching it with you. It was really good, but then I was tired and I went to sleep. Right. It's a very interesting movie though. Uh, uh starting with his observations about the resemblance between Mickey Mouse and Goofy as characters in blackface that you can almost see them that way. Mm. Um which is a whole other subject because I saw an episode of Atlanta, one of the final season that was just a, a mockumentary about an animator creating Goofy and trying to elevate him as a black father, single dad, which was really strange that I saw these two films one day next to the other. But uh, this particular documentary is really interesting. It talks to some of the same performers. It talks to modern actors who were really influenced by those films in the 70s. Uh, and yeah, for people who can remember them, it was really something 
to see representation really means something. Yeah. And to see how black men in particular were taken from being Manton Moreland and these other characters, you know, Rochester, sort of rolling his eyes and running and hiding every time something went wrong to something like Richard Roundtree playing Shaft. Yeah. Who gets up in this guy's face and, you know, calls him a motherfucker. Right. And you're like, oh, my God, he said the MF word and he's black and he said it to a white man. Or even, you know, Sidney Porte slapping Clayton Endicott in uh, in the heat of the night was another big moment where you're sort of, you know, back then you were shocked, like, oh, is he going to get away with that? You know. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a really interesting documentary. I highly recommend it. Do you have something you'd like to recommend? Mm, I don't know. We haven't finished it. We started watching Wednesday. Wednesday. Wednesday is very good. If you've always wanted to see black people and Tim Burton things, Netflix made them. So here they are. We're five episodes in, I think, of eight. I'm enjoying it. I like the vibes of it. I'm I'm prone to like Tim Burton's aesthetic. Mm -hmm. That isn't to say that I default to liking all everything that he does mm-hmm. um i was genetically engineered to be in love with his alice in wonderland and i deeply wasn't <laughs> so uh mm-hmm. you know i it's not i i love those two things and that should have been a slam dunk for me but i forgot that he's um he's a visual he's not a story right I, I've noticed- but they've helped him out because the story is quite good with this, right. and the vi- he's not even directing these. It's like his vibes, <laughs> which is what he should be. He should be the art director. He should be maybe a cinematographer, but he's not great with story. And so the fact that... Consistently across the board, he has a problem with religious people and religious stories. Um, he has a problem with the artist who did Big Eyes. Uh, what is her name? I don't know the, the artist's the name. Yeah, the, I know the Amy Adams character. Uh, she, a big part of her ability to get away from her husband was her conversion to becoming a Jehovah's Witness, and that's uh, almost not touched on at all in the film version. Interesting. Well, I wonder if that was actually at the behest of right. the Jehovah's Witness, but because um, they're not, they don't want to be in movies, right? But <sighs> they, um, he also has the villainous religious character, the uptight religious character in Edward Scissorhands, and his version of Planet of the Apes went a lot further in sort of mocking um, Christianity. There's a lot of... He has a lot of weird issues with it. On top of that, there's his statements about people of color. Yeah, how they just don't fit into his aesthetic. He directed four of them. There have Mm -hmm. been two episodes, two episodes directed by... um, one other person and two episodes are directed by a second other person. Uh, writing credits, there's a there's a list. Right. Miles Miller, Alfred Goff, uh, Matt Lambert, April Blair, Kayla Alpert, uh, and of course Charles Adams for the characters. Uh, uh, I'm enjoying. First of all, I think the casting is right for Morticia and uh, Gomez. Uh, it's Catherine Zeta-Jones and uh, oh, what's his face? I've forgotten his name. What Luis is his Guzman. name? Luis Guzman. That's Who's right. He's very funny. Uh, but 
accurate to those old drawings. Right. Shorter and wider than a Raul Julia, who was hot. You can't make Gomez hot. He's not hot. That's the whole thing. He's not hot. <laughs> Except because he loves her so much, he's very hot. <laughs> but it's, it's contextual. It's not. I really like. I've never seen Jenny Ortega before. I, I don't mean either. Uh, I have seen her. Yes. So I was looking her up today and going, oh, no, I did see that movie. I did see that film. Oh, you've seen her. I don't so remember sad. her at all. She's so small. But she, um, yeah, if you saw Jane the Virgin, she played the young Jane. Oh, yeah, there's no way I remember that. The young Jane was in two scenes or something like that. Like, or 30 episodes, but they're like one-minute scenes. They're flashbacks. She's not... Like a main character. Right. Um, I, she, I've seen Insidious 2. I've seen Iron Man 3. I've seen the Babysitter sequel, which I liked. Oh, yeah. Um, I've seen those movies. And, but at the same time, I don't remember her. And maybe she just looks very different here. I think she looks very different here. Uh, when you watch X, you'll probably recognize her. But her dance party scene where she decides she is going to... Where she did that. She, yeah, she staged it all staged herself. Staged it herself, and it was hysterical and funny, so good. And the I think my favorite part of it wasn't her dance; it was her date's reaction to her right. dance, which was, I mean, I can't join it, right? But I stand, right. <laughs> and I will stand here in the middle of this dance floor as she does her thing. <laughs> and I was like, "Yep." Just stay still. <laughs> uh, yeah. She was born in Coachella. What? <laughs> That's crazy. Um, but yeah, she was a Disney. She was a Disney. Oh, okay. That explains that. Yeah. She was on a show called Stuck in the Middle for Disney. So, uh, But she's very good. It's also a very good cast of the baby. Of Catherine Seda right. Jones and Luis Guzman. Uh, I like the Pugsley. I like what they're doing with Thing. I like the fact that she's at this weird school for outcasts, which are monsters, right. like various monsters. Uh, and yeah, so I like the, the various conceits of the show. We still have to watch the end. And it's a murder mystery. I love a murder mystery. Almost as much as I love a courtroom drama, which will maybe be season two. I don't know. Dovetail those two. I know, exactly. Uh, A girl can dream. Let let the second season be some sort of courtroom drama. But yeah, there's Gorgons and mermaids. Gorgons, uh, sirens, sirens, werewolves, werewolves, vampires, vampires, uh, general shapeshifters psychics, telekinetics, like all kinds of weirds. Oh, and then one normie played by Christina Ricci, which is great, and I'm pretty sure she's the villain. I don't know, guys. That's just my high speculation, because she's the only normie in the whole school. What? I don't know. But she does like feeding her carnivorous plants worms. Gross. <laughs> so, uh I haven't watched it. I haven't finished it, but I think it you know, if you like if you like Tim Burton's vibe, like I said, and you've wanted to see mm-hmm. black people in it, which 
I did. I noticed right away uh-huh. that there were students in the background that were people of color, and it is become more of the main character. Jenny Ortega obviously is um, a Latina, mm-hmm. um, and, and one Gomez of the sirens. Supposed to be one. Yes, right. right. That's why his name is Gomez. Right, <laughs> but I'm talking about main yeah. characters in this show. One of the sirens is black. Like right. there are speaking roles that are going to black people. Because I was like, well, Netflix definitely made him color up his cast, yeah. but he could have put them all in the background. And I don't know what, what they they definitely sat down with him and were like, no. <laughs> yeah, well. It, it, Netflix may be about tokenism, mm-hmm. but they will carry it through well, to all of the properties. Uh, so. Again, tokenism in the very least means representation. Exactly. And if you see somebody who's more like yourself, there was another documentary I was watching this morning. Uh, which actually I'm not going to recommend because it'll be done on the 30th. It's, you know, will be its last day. It was about martial arts films in the 70s, and watching the effect that Bruce Lee still has mm. on people mm. as this, you know, he was not, especially coming from the 70s when your representation of the Asian male was always sort of inadequate and constantly needed rescuing, and here comes this guy who's just electric. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. staring at him all the time because you don't know what he's going to do. He looks like he's about to explode. And then he does literally just blow up. And, um, yeah, seeing the effect that that had, even in a genre, uh, martial arts, no one was watching that in the, in the West at the time. And then suddenly this personality, this person we'd never seen before just blew it up. And so representation matters, even when it's in a black exploitation film, even when it's a what used to be called a Chopsaki film, it still matters. Because then a person, any kid, is able to see somebody who looks like them and they're able to carry the, the ball forward, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So these are both good things. All good things. Mm. Um, and I, for one, think black people look awesome all in black. Give me some goth black people. <laughs> it's fine. And goth... goth uh, Middle Eastern people, goth Latin people. We've seen the goth whites. We're very pale and pallid. It's fine. It's fine. But I, yeah, they talk about how pale she is. They're like, she's in black and white like a human Instagram filter. <laughs> Just like, okay. But she kind of is. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that. Next week, Bridge Over the River, Bridge on the River, quite on, over. Bridges go over, but I think it's on. Bridge on the River Kwai. Uh, It's a long one, guys, so maybe break it up and do a couple of nights. uh, And join us back here next week when we talk about it. Until then, if you have questions or comments or concerns, you can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can still find us on Twitter. And you can still find us on Facebook. If Twitter still exists. Because it's not guaranteed. But, uh, yeah, we're going to go down with that ship, I guess. Unless Trump comes back. I know he's got his he's got his account back, but I don't think he's used it yet. Uh, it's, it's a shit show over there. Find us on Facebook. That's the easiest way. Or email us directly. Or you probably know us. Nobody listens to this show. Go ahead and just give me a call. <laughs> you can text. I should just give my phone number out and just see how many people actually do listen. Y'all, I'm not doing that today. <laughs> nope. 
I'm high, but I'm not that high. Uh, and until then, until next week, I want to remind you to please, please take your medicine. And we'd like to remind you, better late than, late than never. never.